Welcome to my podcast, Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm Renee Beery, an interior designer with a passion for managing construction projects, large and small. My mission is to empower women, both homeowners and interior designers, to manage renovation projects like a pro. My goal in sharing my knowledge and experience from working in the field for the past 29 years will allow you to avoid the mistakes I have seen and go into projects confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your projects will be as smooth and as successful as possible. So if you are joining me just now, I want to explain to you that this is part two of a series of episodes that I created about this enormous story that's brewing and coming to light about home renovation projects airing on these reality TV shows. This one in particular was about to air on the Magnolia channel. If you're not familiar with the story, there are three women, and in fact, apparently there are more coming, but I'm going to talk about the stories that three women came forward with to tell about the disastrous projects that they suffered through with this one particular design couple. Now, the previous episode, I geared towards the lessons that homeowners can take away from the situation. And this episode will be geared towards the interior designers and what they can learn from this couple that really screwed everything up. But that doesn't mean that designers shouldn't listen to the previous episode, nor should a homeowner stop listening to this one, because I think there is so much value in knowing both sides of this, how a designer should be reacting or how a homeowner should be reacting. So I really want you to join me in both of these episodes. Take away all of the tips you can so that your projects will never look like any of the projects that we're going to be discussing, and that you can manage a smooth renovation project of your own. So let's get to it. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. So let's jump right in. This is part two of a series I wanted to share with each and every one of you about this crazy story that is coming to light on the Today Show, all over the internet, House Beautiful. I'm just reading about it nonstop. And for those of you who are just joining me, I really do want to encourage you to listen to the last episode, number 57, because we go into it again from a homeowner's point of view. But the broad strokes of this all started when a friend of mine sent me a link to an article on the todayshow.com last weekend and said, I think you're going to enjoy this, Renee. Wow. I mean, I know I said this in the last episode, but holy cow, I just went down the most enormous rabbit hole researching and clicking and checking links and more stories and Instagram photos and, and screenshots of texts. And I mean, it's nuts what these three women have put together about their experiences taking on a home renovation project with a husband and wife design team out in Utah under the guise that it would be on the Magnolia Network new channel that Chip and Joanna Gaines just launched this week. Now, all of you know by now how I feel about these shows, right? I consider them interesting to watch for maybe a design idea or an aesthetic or furniture layout or anything to do with sort of the surface materials, right? I 
hate these shows. And yep, I'm going to go there. I hate these shows when they start talking timelines and budgets because 29 years in the business, I don't know what calculators they're using. I don't own one that comes up with the same numbers that these shows come up with. And, and I'm accusing all of them across the board. I will hear these shows on in another room because yes, my children like to watch them. It kills me. And I get sucked in because, of course, I know what they're talking about. And then I inevitably start yelling at the TV or arguing with people who can't hear me. But it makes me feel better to prove my point. And, of course, my kids are yelling that I'm ruining it for them. And I find that a compliment. But anyway, there's just no way that they're pulling off what they claim to be pulling off in the time frames they say and the budgets that they give. It just doesn't add up. And anyone in my industry, go ask a friend if they're an interior designer. They'll all tell you the same thing. It just doesn't work. Now, don't get me wrong. Maybe they are putting sub-zeros into these kitchens, but they're not telling you that sub-zero sponsored it and that refrigerator was free or from GE or whomever. So there are ways of getting products into these kitchens that they're showcasing in a small budget. But then, of course, it's deceiving to not tell the audience what parts and pieces were sponsored by the manufacturers, right? I mean, how deceitful it is to show this beautiful kitchen and say, oh, it costs the homeowners $35,000. And you actually go out and try to replicate that same kitchen and you find that it's a $75,000 kitchen or more. You know, I mean, it's just mind-blowing how long that they've been getting away with it. And like I said in the last episode, I feel like Christmas came early because finally there are couples coming forward saying exactly what I've been saying for years, that the timelines don't work and that the budgets are just not adhered to. So in the last episode, I really pulled apart all of the details that these women shared as homeowners and really wanted to highlight how they could have stopped the madness from continuing. And for whatever reason, they didn't stop the work and the pain and suffering just continued. But in this episode, I want to talk to interior designers. And that doesn't mean that homeowners can't learn from what I'm going to tell interior designers. So please stick with me. And then the interesting part is I was going to record both of these episodes in the same day, in the same sitting. I thought, well, that would make sense. It's the same story. I'll just record one, take a break, and then record the second. And what I'm learning about my voice is there's only so long that I can speak for any length of time. So for instance, webinars and things, if you have joined me on a webinar, I am constantly taking water breaks and even with water breaks, I'm finding that my voice gives out after about an hour of talking, which doesn't make much sense because I feel like I talk all the time and people who know me personally are probably laughing and nodding their heads right now. But for some reason, it doesn't work when I'm just sitting in front of a microphone or a computer screen. So I finished that episode, took a 10 minute break, tried to get back into it, and I just simply couldn't stop coughing. So I took a break. Interestingly, and you got to love the world of the internet, everything has changed since my last recording. And this couple, Andy and Candace Meredith, who are the stars of a show called Homework that has been airing on HGTV. And 
And full disclosure, before I got the post from my friend, I had never heard of this couple. And because again, I don't watch HGTV um, on purpose. So I had never heard of the Meredith, but they are a couple out in Utah who renovate homes and then and then sell them. Fantastic. So they were asked to join the Magnolia channel. And I'm sure that was an enormous honor for them to, to get that opportunity. So they had put out calls for homeowners to submit video tapings of people who wanted their homes renovated and the project and the scope and things like that. And the, I believe they probably even went into budget, maybe not in the video, but probably you know in one of the forms they had to fill out. So here's the interesting part. When I recorded the last episode about the homeowners, the Meredith had stayed quiet. There was a typed statement posted on their Instagram, and that was it. And basically, it, it was what you expected, that they understand that there are these people that have come forward. They questioned their timing, and that's probably legit. Of course, these people came forward this past weekend. The Magnolia Channel was launching this week, and their projects happened in 2019. So, okay, they waited two years to come forward. We can have a discussion about that afterwards. And the Meredith did bring that up. The Meredith basically said, we're not going to get into it right now. You know, we're going to regroup and whatnot. It was basically not really a full apology, but it was basically, you know, give us some space. Okay. Since then, they have posted multiple, I think eight or nine videos and postings in their Instagram, basically trying to fight back. And it was fascinating. I guess it was a good thing that I couldn't talk long enough to record these back to back because I learned a lot more about them. And yes, lost another probably hour and a half of my life that I'll never get back because I was sucked into these videos, listening to them, try to explain away what happened. So again, I don't want this episode to get into he said, she said, or she said, she said. And frankly, I'm well aware that there are two sides to every story, but that doesn't negate the lessons that we can learn from this. And it doesn't negate problems that the Meredith's brought to the project. And that's what I want to talk about today for interior designers. So first and foremost, what I learned from Candace Meredith's video herself is that they've been doing this about 10 years and that mostly they have been renovating homes on their own. And it sounds like they've taken on a few clients periodically over those past 10 years. But to do this project for Magnolia, I guess to create a whole season, they took on, I think she said, nine clients in a very short period of time. So first and foremost, red flag. If you haven't worked with a lot of clients, if most of the work is something that you have done on your own with contractors, um, I think she said there were investors who invested the money. And so you're really not working with like that emotional quality of a homeowner designer relationship. It's a whole different ballgame than taking on nine clients at one time. So one, I'm going to red flag them and really call them out for their inexperience and, and their naivete for not recognizing that this was a pretty lofty goal that would likely get them into trouble on some level. Now, this seemed to be colossal in the trouble they got into. But I mean, to go from their business model to nine clients to fully renovate while taping and making a product, running a production of it, I mean, it just sounds mind blowing to me personally. So, 
here's what I want to talk to interior designers about. Experience matters. It just does. There are no shortcuts in construction that don't end in a mess, right? You can't half build a wall and call the wall complete, right? You just don't cut corners in construction. And what what this husband and wife were trying to do was take their experiences of renovating projects basically for themselves and taking on clients. It is night and day. And I really want people to hear that. It is not the same animal. They are not managing their own emotions. They're not managing their own selections. They're not managing their own budget. They are managing, and you would be managing, a client's expectations, a client's budget, a client's home. And quite frankly, you need to take that very seriously. I take it extremely seriously when I take on a new project, knowing it is not my money to spend, knowing that I am impacting the quality of my client's life for a specific period of time. This is something that you shouldn't take lightly, or it will come back to haunt you like it has this couple. So how do you get experience in construction? Now, I am old school. I will not apologize for that. I went to school for my education in interior design. I started out on the ground floor in the industry. I was the librarian for about eight months in a pretty large design firm. And what does the librarian do, you ask? The librarian runs the sample room. And this was back in the 90s. And sample rooms were really huge because samples were plentiful and it's not like now where the companies don't want to spend the money on them. So I was the library girl. And why would that be an important first step? Because I learned all the vendors. I worked with all of the designers that would come in looking for certain things. I learned how to research. And then after that, I became a junior designer. And what does that mean? That means I shadowed designers. Sure, they asked my opinions. Sure, I would probably knew some selections, more often because the designer didn't have time to do it than that they actually wanted my opinion on something. But you learned from watching. You learned from experiencing through someone else. So that designer was making the important calls on a job site, not me. I learned from watching. I learned from watching mistakes. Don't get me wrong. Mistakes are always made. But I also learned by watching how they corrected those mistakes. And then after a junior designer, I became a designer in a larger firm. So I was making more decisions. I was mentoring junior designers. You see how this all works? And as a designer, I still had the principal of the company monitoring my work from a little bit of a distance, but still monitoring. And then after another year or two of experience, I became a senior designer and those jobs were mine. They were handed to me in the beginning. I think my principal would check in with me maybe once a month, how's it going? And really stepped out and it was all on me. But I had years of experience watching and learning so that when I got to be a senior designer in a top New York firm, I soared. And that's how you get experience. Now, if you're an interior designer listening to me and you're thinking, why I don't have those years to invest in my experience the way you did. And yes, I was young at the time. I was in my 20s when I was climbing the ranks inside these design firms. But I am frustrated. I will say inside of these Facebook groups that I follow, when a woman will post, I'm a brand new designer. I just got two kitchens to renovate. Can I get some advice? Yes, 
you can. My advice is don't take those projects. You don't have the experience. They will end poorly. Your client may not know they end poorly, but you will know they end up poorly because you will have to take on so much of the responsibility for all the mistakes you made. See, the mistakes I made in these firms, and I did make them, they were absorbed by the companies that I worked for. They did not come out of my paycheck. They didn't come out of my own wallet. And they were lessons to be learned. And obviously, when you learn a lesson, the goal is to not make those mistakes again. And I didn't. But when you go out on your own and you take on projects that you are not skilled to do, like this couple did in Utah, you put yourself at huge financial risk. And what this couple told the world in these videos is they spent tens of thousands of dollars of their own money when they ran over the budgets they were given. I mean, literally mind-blowing. I would never do that for a client. And one, I, I have never had to because point number two, this couple did a terrible job about sharing and discussing the budgets along the way. So if you listen to the last episode, I don't want to repeat a whole lot because I'm hoping you're listening to both. But in the last episode, it was very detailed that these women were asking for their budgets constantly. Hey, can you give me an update? Where do we stand? And these were small budgets for the scope of the projects that they were trying to take on. And the designers would ghost them or the designers say, yeah, I need to rewrite it. Or yeah, I need to get back to you on that. Well, no, you don't need to get back to you on that. You should know where the budget stands within a couple of hours. And that's only if you've fallen behind in putting a few of the invoices that are sitting on your desk. But it is important and it is your job as an interior designer to manage, maintain, and stay within the budget. Now, that doesn't mean that budgets don't go over, but budgets don't go over by mistakes, budgets go over if scope changes or if the client changes a selection, which I guess falls under scope, or a vendor raises their prices because you bid something out six months ago. That's becoming a little bit more common these days with all of this craziness that we're in. But that is controllable and nothing moves forward until that's discussed and agreed upon by the client. So when someone say, oh, I blew my budget, well, what does that mean? Because I have had clients go over their initial budget, but they didn't blow it. There was no surprise in the end. And, and one of the women said, you know, three quarters of the way through, this designer, Candace, said, oh, by the way, we're at $40,000 when she had told the client that it would be closer to, I think it was 25. I mean, it's just ridiculous to hear some of the comments that these people are making. It just doesn't happen. And it is up to the interior designer. It is their professional job to keep a client informed of where they are in the budget, particularly when the client is asking. Now, I, a lot of my clients don't ask because they know that we don't have overruns unless there is a change in either the scope or the selection. And we have a conversation to approve it, to move forward. But when your client asks you specifically, it is your job to let them know where you stand. So again, this goes back to experience. These are lessons I learned by watching women with more experience. Fellow interior designers, I know these stories that you're listening to are scary to hear, and I'm sure it brings up a lot of anxiety in you worrying about your skills on a job site. And I get it. 
I have been there, but there are ways to build your skills and add this income stream into your business. And I highly encourage you doing both. I built my signature course, Only Girl on the Job Site, Designer Edition, to help you with this. The course walks you step-by-step best practices to managing a project for your clients, building your skills, your confidence, and allow you to add this service to your clients or boost the number of clients you offer this to, which will always add to your bottom line. And that is what's key, building your skills and adding the income stream. So there's more information about the course on my website. There'll also be information in the show notes. I strongly urge you to consider this course to make you as successful as possible managing your clients' home renovation projects. So if you're sitting there listening, like, Renee, I, I don't know what to do. You're telling me I need years of experience, but I want to switch my career. I don't have those years to invest. You know, how do I find the balance? Okay, well, the balance is get that education. Get that education any way you can. There are a variety of ways of doing it. One, find a contractor that will essentially hold your hand throughout a project. Learn from your contractors. There are some out there. They may not be the easiest to find because a lot of contractors get annoyed with interior designers who don't know what they're doing on a job site. Hence why you need the education, but there are some out there. And and trust me, I learned from my contractors all the time, but I had a baseline of knowledge when I started working with the contractors, for instance, when I went out on my own, but I still learned, hell, I still learn every day about some new, some new element of construction because every project is different, but the experience is key. The second thing is, and what I will say inside these Facebook groups, when I hear women say, you know, gee, I'm brand new and I'm renovating, I'm gutting two kitchens. And my heart flutters when I read this is I tell them, you must be honest with your client. Tell them that this is your first experience. Give them the opportunity to say, no, thank you. Or great, let's do this together. Let's dig in. And there will be clients that will do that. Now you should price yourself accordingly. You know, I don't want you charging what I charge. If I've been doing this for 29 years, that just goes without saying, right? It makes it logical. And maybe you, I don't know, barter with this client in some way. You know, there's so many different ways to structure a deal to get experience, but be upfront about it. Be honest. Do not try to fluff your experience because you will fall flat on your face. This is your fair warning from someone who cares about you as well as my industry that I love. You will fall flat on your face and it will cost you either your reputation, which so by the way, you will not get more work or it will cost you tons of money behind the scenes for you paying for mistakes that you made along the way. And guess what? That's what happened with this design team. I mean, I'm still literally hung up on the fact that I think by my rough estimate, they spent over $50,000 of their own money on these projects because they ran over budget. I mean, it's nuts. But you know what it tells me? They knew that they shouldn't be doing what they were doing because no one does that. No one spends, in one case, she said she spent $32,000 of her own money, quote, because she wanted the project to finish well. Okay, I have been doing this for 29 years. Let me restate that. I have never spent 
$32,000 on a project because I wanted to end well, and yet all of my projects end well. So there is a huge problem there. You should not be losing money on projects. That is telling you, or should be telling you, that you're doing something wrong. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's because of inexperience. So how else do you gain experience? See if there is another designer in your town that you can partner with, even if it's only for a few years. Maybe they have more construction experience and you have more decorating experience. I mean, if you keep an open mind, there are so many ways that you can collaborate with people inside the industry without putting your neck out and running the risk of getting completely destroyed by a project. And I have seen that happen, not to the same degree as this woman was saying with 32,000 here and 10,000 there. She said she'd cover 5,000 of an overrun budget. No, no, flat, no, please hear me. I don't know designers that do that because we are professionals. One, we don't get ourselves in those positions and you don't have to if you're talking budget the entire way through. So aside from lack of experience, what else did this design couple do wrong? And that was their communication. I mean, it is so hard to follow. And I understand it is on Instagram and on the internet and it's screenshots of this and videos of that. And it's very hard to, you know, thread it all together. But it also is very clear when you listen to them that they are all over the place with their communication designer Candace would text at night. She would call them on weekends. She would email them on weekdays. She would, I mean, it was just insane. You have to have a logical form of communication with your clients. It just has to be that way. One, for your own sanity. And two, so that there also is background, right? So if a client comes to you in six months and says, hey, I don't understand. How how do we get here when I thought we were there, there, and there? And you can go back and say, this is where it started. We went to this step and it's very logical, whether that is through emails and texts or phone messages, but there has to be a trail throughout a project that everybody can follow logically. And and don't get me wrong. I text with my clients quite regularly, but I also email them or I'll follow up with them. And then again, this was mentioned heavily in the last episode was the lack of scheduled regular meetings. And if you've heard me ever before today, you know I talk about scheduled regular meetings. To me, any project should have at least weekly meetings. If it's a short project, it's probably going to be two a week. And maybe you just went, forget it. Okay. That is what construction is all about. It is very different from a decorating project. It just is. And a lot of times you're not in control entirely of your schedule because things happen that you need to address in that moment. And the funny thing is for years, my husband would say, I don't understand why you can't control your schedule more. I mean, you're kind of like all over the place some days. And I look at him, I go, well, that's because I manage a lot of construction. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I get it. Well, the one bonus of COVID shutdown was my husband worked from home and by the way, is back working from home. So please send prayers. But nonetheless, he is now seeing my phone rings. It's a contractor. There's a problem. Can you come out? And if I'm sitting at my desk doing something else, the answer is yes, I'm on my way. 
Or like the other day, I've been waiting for a guy to go out and do some drywall and spackle work. And everybody, as you know, is swamped and overwhelmed. And at 4.30 in the afternoon, my painter texted me and he said, I got a guy. He can meet you in the morning. Oh, okay. Fabulous. So I looked at my calendar. Uh, what can I juggle around? Okay, I can move this to a 15 minutes there and 20 minutes there. Yep, I can meet them. Texting the clients. I got the guy. You know, I'm going to go in at this hour. And they're like, fantastic. But that's how it happens in construction. And for those designers listening who are transitioning or adding this service to a more traditional design studio, this is what you should be prepared for. And if you don't do well with last minute shifts and changes, then this may not be for you because this is normal. This is not pandemic. This is normal. Now, I try to plan as much as I can, as far out as I can. But like I said, painter called at 4.30. Now, of course, I could have said no. And had I had a client meeting or something that couldn't be moved, I would have said no. But I also knew by saying no, I might have lost the entire week and we'd be looking at next week. And then that would be holding up the next step. So construction is an annoying part of what I do, but I love it so much that I put up with it. But for designers getting into this or for designers who have just started in on it, this is normal. This is not pandemic. And I don't want you to be fooled by it because I do think some people think, oh, this is pandemic. It'll all smooth out afterwards. It doesn't. Now, pandemic has sort of put it on steroids, but this is normal. And this design couple did not react well to these situations. The homeowners were telling story after story after story about the contractor being on site, having questions, nobody was there to answer. So the homeowner was trying to figure it out on their own. Work was not being done or work was stopping or shoddy work was being done that the homeowner was calling out on. Well, that should have been the designer showing up at an installation at some point, looking at it going, this isn't up to our standards. You need to redo this. But in every case that at least I read about, the homeowner was calling the designer to point it out to her. That tells me they are not experienced at what they're doing. Or as I think she did finally admit, they had taken on too many projects that they could not manage on their own. So where do we go from here? This couple says they're going to keep fighting it. Lord, I'm going to lose more time. I just know it because my girlfriend, Jill, is going to keep sending me these articles. And I'm going to, of course, it's like it's like watching a train wreck. Like I have to read all of these details because it is something that I have talked about for years, that these shows are entertainment only. They are not based in the construction world in which I have worked in for decades. And so designers, I really need you to hear me. It is critical for you to have the confidence to say what you can do and the confidence to say what you can't do. And there will be clients along the way. I promise you, I had clients in the beginning know full well what my capabilities were and hired me anyway, because they knew I was being honest and upfront. They knew what they were going to get. They knew I would continue to be honest throughout. And the jobs ended smoothly. So please do not try to fool someone. Do not try to pad your resume to get that, quote, big job. You will regret it. There are designers that I have known who have truly gotten into 
financial trouble because they had to clean up significant messes that were on their watch. Now, the one thing I will say about this couple, I do feel badly for them. They obviously got in over their heads, but unfortunately, they have to own it. So while I can feel for them as human beings going through an incredibly stressful time, they also have to know that there is an entire industry that they are marring because of their lack of experience, their ego, um, their greed, their attempt to be famous or maintain their celebrity level. And my industry that I have worked for years in is suffering because of it. If you look at the comments on some of the posts, a lot of them, they've turned off the ability to get comments. I can't imagine what they were reading before they took that step, but a lot of them completely go after, quote, the industry. And that's where I get upset because it is not the industry that failed these homeowners. It is this one couple in Utah that failed these homeowners. One bad apple spoils the bunch. I get that. But I am also here to fight back on that because there are so many quality, honest, trustworthy, experienced designers managing construction projects every single day like a champ, finishing strong, smoothly, on budget, and mostly on time, but communicating the whole way through so that clients are thrilled, want to do more work with that same designer and or talk about it with their friends. So while on the one hand, this couple has put a spotlight on the significant issues with these home renovation reality shows, they have negatively impacted the industry that made those shows possible. And I don't want that to be lost on them. Trust me, I don't think they're going to ever listen to this episode, but I don't want it to be lost on any other designer that the industry that they're trying to use to get ahead is paying the price if they don't act professionally. So designers listening, please educate yourself as much as possible, whether that's working with someone else, working for someone else, partnering with an architect or a contractor. There are ways to get your experience while you are building the confidence that you need to take on projects on your own. And of course, the entire reason I built my course, Only Girl on the Job Site, was to further educate homeowners and interior designers on these very steps. It is my goal to elevate the industry in the eyes of homeowners and lessen the tarnish that my industry gets from shows like this, from designers like Andy and Candace Meredith, who really do bring down the industry when it is completely undeserved, except for themselves. So if you didn't listen to the first episode, I talk about things that homeowners can do to protect themselves when they feel a red flag coming. And trust me, women know when things are going wrong. They just do. Now, whether you choose to listen or not is up to you. And in the last episode, I give you ideas, strategies, and hopefully the confidence to listen to those red flags and stop the madness before it gets too far gone. So for designers, I am always here for you. And I mean that sincerely. If you need advice, if you want to bat around some ideas on how you can gain more experience wherever you are practicing, 
please reach out to me. I would be happy to give whatever advice I can in order to help you take on a more professional stance inside the industry. It will benefit you in ways you just don't know. Managing construction projects, I truly believe, will be a game changer in our industry as the world of decorating gets more and more accessible given the internet. So adding this service onto your roster is an entirely new income stream that will sustain itself. Construction projects happen every day, every week, every month, every year. And experienced designers are sought after to help a client manage their projects well. It's just that simple. So I highly recommend that designers take this on, take this challenge to build this into their client services but do it in an experienced and professional way so that you succeed. And like I said earlier, this is an ever-moving, ever-changing story. So if I read more, which I'm thinking I will, and go down those rabbit holes again, you might just hear another episode because I think while it validated what I've always been saying, more importantly, There is just so much to learn, both as a homeowner and a designer from these stories, that I don't want it to just be gossip on the internet. I want them to be teachable lessons that we can all grow from so that we can avoid the projects that these women described. As always, if this brings up more questions and answers, please reach out to me. I am happy to go over this. I'm happy to answer questions. I am happy to help in any way I can. And if you want more information on the course, whether it's the homeowner's version or the designer's edition, there is detailed information on my website and feel free to reach out to me if you have questions when you go through it. Thank you for your time today. And I look forward to our next time together. So there is already an update to the story because I pre-record these episodes. It hasn't even launched, but I wanted to make sure that I got in all of the details I knew to make this story more complete. So I believe it was within six days of these three women coming forward, the Magnolia Channel pulled homework off of their network, stating that they were going to do a review. And within six days, they put out a statement saying that And I quote, after review, they found no ill or malicious intent on the part of the Merediths, end quote, and that the show would be back on the network. So you can imagine my emotions and where they went when I read this, because what it tells me is that the Magnolia Channel, and I'm going to lump them into all other home renovation shows, don't care about the level of experience that they're show hosts have, because these three women detailed that the Meredith design team did not know what they were doing. Now, they can make all sorts of excuses that they want, that they had too many projects, that they don't typically work with clients, but that goes to level of experience. An experienced designer knows how many jobs they can take on, is open and honest with the client when they tell them the level of experience they have. The Meredith did none of that. And in fact, they admit that in their pleas on their Instagram posts. So designers, please hear me. You know, I know that these shows are entertainment only, but they do impact our industry. 
the comments on the posts don't always talk about the Meredith in specific. They use the term industry when they're slamming this story. And that breaks my heart. This we can help to fix one designer at a time by elevating your knowledge, by building your skills and proving one client at a time that this is not how projects need to run. I strongly ask you to help me elevate our industry by taking charge of your projects and running them like they should be run. So if there's any other updates, I will keep you posted. I promise you I won't be watching the Magnolia channel, but friends keep sharing these news clips with me because they know how important this issue is to me. So if there's another change, I will let you know so that we're all up to date. Thank you for listening today and feel free to join me on social media at Davine Design in order to stay up to date on the latest happenings in my construction world. There is more detailed information on my website for my signature courses for both homeowners and designers, as well as other material to help guide you through a successful renovation project. Make sure to follow my podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a tip. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the word, leave a review and tell your friends who are starting or are mid project. And thank you again for listening today.